Welcome, everyone, to the Special Education Inner Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Witcher, and I'm excited to be with you today to talk about six things that you just can't miss in an IEP. So whether you're a parent, teacher, admin, therapist, or no matter what your role is at the IEP table, you are welcome here in the Special Education Inner Circle. Today, our episode is brought to you by MasterIEPCoach.com. Our last Master IEP Coach mentorship of the school year is starting really soon. So you're gonna wanna hop on over to MasterIEPCoach.com, drop in your email, get all the details, and of course, just hit reply to any of those emails and I will personally answer any of your questions about the Master IEP Coach mentorship. So let's go ahead and jump right in here. You know, I have been working on IEPs professionally for over 20 years, and I grew up as a special needs sibling. My brother is 42 with Down syndrome, so I've sat on several different sides of the IEP table. I don't like to think about IEP tables as sides, but let's just face it, it feels like that sometimes, right? So there's a lot of paperwork that goes back and forth across the IEP table. It's shuffled all around, and sometimes you just don't know where to look. And by the way, I'm not just talking about parents. As a teacher, as a support member at the IEP table, the paperwork can become overwhelming. The amount of details, the amount of decisions, the amount of data, the amount of things that just can pile up can truly just get things off course, specifically at a meeting. So I have for you the six things that I know when you prioritize these six things as the place to look, you're going to walk away with a strong document that truly is going to prepare a child for further education, employment, and independent living. Now, I didn't make those three categories up. If you've been here on the Special Education Inner Circle podcast with me for any time, you know that I am focused on the purpose and findings of ideal law, which really is navigating the entire special education program and decisions for everybody in the United States. Now, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't practice the law, but I do tell you where to look for the important stuff that is really the foundation of how to make IEP decisions. So let's jump in with the first thing, which is one of the biggest things that gets left out of an IEP or is not used to its fullest extent. And that is the parent input statement. Now in every IEP document, every um, state or district, there might be a different title for this section. But the parent input statement, parent vision statement, parent educational concerns, it says parent something in the document. Now, if you are a parent, I want you to go grab your child's IEP sometime real soon before you forget, because I know you have a lot on your plate. And I want you to look for that parent section and see what it says. You most likely will be surprised unless you have intentionally designed that part of the IEP as a parent, it is typically not very thorough. Now, that is not throwing any IEP team member under the bus for not making sure that section is filled out because I can tell you with two different special education degrees and five different teaching certificates, nobody told me that I needed to 
focus on the parent section of the IEP with the same due diligence as the rest of the IEP. This part of the IEP is something that I really focused on because I am a special needs sibling and I watched my family navigate through the system. And I knew when I became a teacher that if I could get the parents to collaborate with me, I was going to be able to do a better job as a teacher. So this parent input section is not a place where we dump complaints and it's not a place where we say, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, Johnny's eating his lunch every day. This is a place where we really set the vision for a child's future. And that can be hard for parents. So teachers and team members, I want you to really pay attention to this section and help bring a parent through the communication that is needed to make sure that they are expressing their concerns and their um, vision, their wants for the important areas such as communication, academics, social, emotional, sensory, um, you know, really the, the friendships, the relationships, all the pieces that don't always have a specific part in the IEP but it's why we do an IEP, that's what we use the parent input statement for. Now, here's why this is a gold section for everybody involved. Because having been a special education teacher, I know what it feels like to have a child who is, let's say, behind in reading. And behind in reading on, on a global level, meaning all pieces, uh, it, when it comes to sight words, when it comes to comprehension, it just, Everything is behind in the area of reading. This means as a teacher, I have some really important decisions to make on what do I need to focus on to help this child make reading progress. Now, there's a lot of different ways to make reading progress. There's a lot of different tools I could use. There's a lot of different strategies I can use. But if I have a great parent input statement to really collaborate with the family on where our focus is going to be, I can start to narrow down how I'm going to write IEP goals to not just match up with the curriculum that all the other kids are doing, but to actually design the IEP goals to support the school needs, what I have to do as a teacher and the family needs of what they need their child to focus on so they can be successful outside of school also. So that might mean focusing more on functional reading versus a straight curriculum reading of sight words that may or may not be commonly used in this child's everyday life. So this parent vision statement helps teams narrow down where to focus and get everybody moving in the same direction. So go ahead and grab that parent input statement, take a look at it, and then make sure you let me know what you find. So you can always send an email to clientcare at katherinewitcher.com and let me know if you have concerns about that area. Now let's move on to the second thing that you have to look for in an IEP to make sure that the IEP document is doing its job of setting the foundation of where a child needs to go in the future. And to do that, we have to have data. Now you've heard this term data a lot. If you've been talking about IEPs, researching IEPs, if you're in the IEP trenches. And one of the biggest concerns I get from parents and from teachers is the amount of data that needs to be collected and the intensity 
of it and the frequency of it and all the complications that come with this word data. I want to make sure that as you're looking for data, and that means anything that is concrete, that is not opinion-based, that is helping us understand where the child is at in a skill right now. It does not have to be an overcomplicated process. In fact, many times the best solution when I step into an IEP situation and sometimes I'm brought in by a district and sometimes I'm brought in by parents and no matter who is bringing me to the IEP table, sometimes the best decisions about data are made when we decide to take out some of the data collection that's being done simplify and make sure we prioritize to what needs to truly be focused on to ensure that we know what a child can do and where they need to go and how we're going to measure when they get there. So let's make sure that the data is not overcomplicated. Maybe it's something as simple as a work portfolio. And let's not skip using technology when it comes to data collection videos, audio recordings, being able to use apps to tally and do the calculations for us. There are many options out there, but I don't want parents specifically to avoid the word data because they feel like they don't know what they're asking for or they don't know what they're looking for. Teachers, if you have the conversation with parents about what data is, what data is not, and why you're collecting specific data, it takes away the smokescreen of that word data and it gets you moving again in the right direction. I never want a parent to feel fearful of asking where's the data to support that decision. So here's a little key for you when it comes to having the conversation about IEPs. If you hear decisions being made at the table by anybody, and this is for anybody that is sitting there. So teachers, parents, admins, therapists, if you hear decisions being made and your gut is saying, I don't know about that, it is absolutely okay to ask the decision of, or ask the question of where's the data to support this decision? That's it. I'm not saying a decision is wrong. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying that I agree. I'm not saying that I disagree. I'm just saying, where's the data to support this decision? Because I want to make sure that we're not making decisions based on our feelings or opinions, because big decisions have big impact on a child's future. So we have to have some concrete evidence of why we are making a specific decision. Now that moves into our third thing that we're looking for, and that's measurable goals. Now we hear all different versions of how to create a measurable goal. We hear about SMART goals. We hear about curriculum-based goals. We hear about all these different ways to uh, really look at is a child making progress. Here's how we're going to simplify this. And again, this is a conversation that you need to have with your IEP team. If we have a certain uh, type of data, let's just say it's a percentage. It's, a, it's so many trials. It's 
four out of five trials. And we have some data on that and it's based on some numbers. I wanna make sure that our goals match up to the baseline number that was collected and that our goals are using that same type of data collection to measure progress. Now, for some of you, this might sound like common sense. And for others of you, you're having an aha moment where you're thinking, okay, we've taken data. Let's say we've taken reading data in one form, and then we set the goal using another form of data collection. It's very hard to measure if we're not comparing apples to apples. So please make sure that you understand the measurement in each goal, what's being measured and how it's being measured. And we'll get to this one a little bit later, but a little sneak peek is you gotta look in that same section and see who is doing the measuring so you know who to talk to. Now, the fourth thing that I want you to look for inside of the IEP is a home to school communication plan. Some of you guys just said, what? We can put a home to school communication plan inside of the IEP? Yes, you can. And for all the teachers that just thought that I just gave you something else to do, I'm telling you, it is a definite bonus for you as a teacher when you get a clear home to school communication plan expectation, because a lot of the tension that builds up around the IEP process is from a parent feeling like they don't know what's going on or the most important information is not being communicated to them. What I don't want your home to school communication to be is this general journal that goes back and forth talking about, you know, general information of what happened during the day. That is not meaningful to a parent typically. So teachers, you're spending a lot of time writing in those journals and parents are typically frustrated with that form of communication. Now, parents, when you are talking to the teachers about what type of communication should go back and forth, make sure that you really are focused on the most meaningful things. Let me give you a couple of examples. If you're working on potty training, then yes, we need to talk about the toileting that happened that day. If you're working on um, different things uh, with food, then we may need to talk about lunch and self-feeding and those self-help skills. If we're talking about Therapies, if your child gets a lot of OT, PT, uh, speech support during the day, maybe you need to know, did they see their therapist today in the school setting? One of my favorite things that I love for parents and teachers to communicate back and forth about is a couple of highlights of the day so a parent has something to talk to the child about when they get home. So a lot of kids will not share what they did that day or they don't have the means to share what they did that day in school. So sharing with the parent what book you read or something exciting that happened during the school day, that can make all the difference in a team truly feeling like a team. For a parent truly feeling that they know what's going on and feel confident in an open communication type format with the team. And this does not take a long time to put together. In fact, it's much quicker than those journals. So your home to school, school communication plan absolutely should be documented in the IEP because let's just face it, it's also hard to keep it consistent from year to year. So if you set that expectation that there will be a home to school communication at specific intervals, sometimes it's daily, sometimes weekly, sometimes monthly, and what 
is being communicated, then you'll have a much smoother transition between year to year. All right, here we go. Fifth thing that we need to look for in the IEP, and that's placement. And that's not just what program a child's in or what school they are going to. I'm talking about placement in a way of how many minutes are being received in each area of the special education services. Where are they taking place in that building or program? And how are those minutes being delivered? I cannot tell you how many times that I have had people, parents, teachers, admins, okay, just anybody on the IEP team, surprised on how minutes are being delivered. So parents may be assuming that when a child gets 30 minutes of speech therapy, that it's 30 minutes of one-on-one -on -one speech therapy. Now, the IEP team members who just listened to this just rolled their eyes and said, we wish that it was one-on-one, -on -one, but it's not. Now, I just went and did some professional development training for service providers in North Carolina, and they were explaining to me how the paperwork that came from a transfer student from New York to North Carolina, how different the minutes looked, and they honestly didn't know how to service the child according to their IEP because the paperwork was so different. I asked them if they talked to the parent about how those minutes were provided. First of all, they said no. And then they said that they did talk to the other service providers and they are blown away that in New York, there was one-to-one -one services. In North Carolina, there are no one-to-one -one services or it might've been reversed. But either way, the bottom line is that the paperwork didn't even make sense between the two different teams because they were in two different states. And there was a lot of assumptions being made and a lot of communication not happening. So when I'm talking about placement, I wanna make sure that you flip to that page on the IEP that talks about how many minutes for which services and where is it going to take place at. The last thing that I wanna make sure that you're looking for in the IEP, so this is number six, is the teacher and team responsibilities and trainings. Every IEP has a section that talks about a staff development or staff training. Every IEP has a space uh, where their goals are at for who's responsible for the goal, who's taking data. Every IEP has a section on the placement page that says who's delivering services when it comes to uh, things like uh, speech therapy or occupational therapy. Now, it doesn't have to have a person's specific name because names change, right? Like people change positions in a school district, children move programs in the district, but I need at least a title that is more specific than the IEP team. I needed to say things like speech therapist, classroom teacher, resource teacher, general education teacher, occupational therapist. We need a title in there so you know who you need to go to. Again, this is not just for parents. Yes, parents, you need to know who to talk to, but as a teacher, in the very beginning, it is hard to know who is responsible for what in your district. And there are a lot of struggling team members who are afraid to ask who's supposed to be doing this because the fear is, was it me? And did I not do my job? I didn't see this part in the IEP. Now, I will tell you, parents, you are the only ones who are going to be sitting at every IEP meeting from now until when your child ages out of the school system. 
So you are the one who needs to know who is responsible for what. It is so very important. <coughs> so let's go ahead and wrap this up. We are looking for six specific sections inside of the IEP to make sure that an, the document is moving in the right direction. Of course, I've made it all the way through before the tickle just hit my throat. So let's go through parent input data, measurable goals, home to school communication, placement, teacher and team responsibilities. <coughs> All of those need to be covered. And then the details that sometimes overtake an IEP conversation tend to fall into place when we can take this 10,000 foot view and look at these six areas and make sure when we walk away from the table, we have these six pieces in place, and then we can have the rest of the IEP conversation. If you want to look to master these six sections of the IEP and help others in your community make sure that they have the best IEPs possible, I'm going to make uh, ask you to come over to the MasterIEPCoach.com website. Okay, so hop on over there, masteriepcoach.com, drop in your email. I'll give you all the details on what is happening in our next Master IEP Coach mentorship. And I'm going to make sure that you get all of the details so you can make the decision if the mentorship is right for you. When you start to dig in with people who are like-minded, the stress, the tension, the overwhelm with the IEP process starts to go away. Again, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to clientcare at katherinewitcher.com and I'll see you guys soon.